All right, Tim. So for today's trivia, it's a little uh, since this is the last two. This is our discussion. The last two episodes of the Jordan Doc. I've got a basketball centric question for you. So you know the stat wind chair, obviously. Yep. Who is who in NBA history has the number one career wind chair? Now I'll go ahead and ruin it for you on this end. Michael Jordan's fifth. So who's for number one? Chair. Charles Barkley? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, all he, uh... Charles Barkley is actually 17th. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Weird. Um, I'll guess Oscar on this one again. So it's not going to be Oscar. Oscar's 11th. Uh, the number one's going to be Kareem. Damn. So so Kareem's going to be at 273.41. Michael Jordan's at 214.02. The other people above Jordan at number two, we've got Wilt. We've got LeBron at number three. And then the just all-time showing of how flawed the stat is. At number four, we have Carl Malone. So... Take take what you think with that, and then we've got John Stockton, Tim Duncan. So having John Stockton above there, it's 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 a wonderful illustration of how flawed the stat is. But anyways, this is the Tim and Tony podcast. JDF, play us in. Tripping no time, no place You could put me to the side You could set that shit aside We could set that shit aside Baby, meet me here Alright everybody, welcome back um, This is the Tim and Tony Podcast My name is Tony Felix <laughs> My name's Tim LaDuke You know, um I'm pretty sure we gave most of our listeners erectile dysfunction with that entire conversation of, of wind chairs. And <laughs> we, we did, we were talking about advanced stats on, on the same day as watching the Jordan doc, which is kind of hilarious to me. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I thought that that would be kind of good, a parallel or whatever, juxtaposing different stats where, I mean, we basically started this whole thing out with me saying that Jordan's the greatest ever. And I figured today it would be interesting to pull up a stat that shows that he's the fifth most valuable player to any team in basketball, which obviously we know Carl. And that's where stats are. Yeah. And that that's why I was bringing it up. Cause that specifically when I saw that, I'm like, Oh great. Carl Malone has a better win share than Michael Jordan. Oh, this is perfect. So yeah, you know, just wanted to, Wanted to start it off at the top of that. You know, stats like that, if you have a stat that puts Carl Malone ahead of Jordan in, in anything that's trying to determine value, I think that stat should be like banned after that. Like, I don't think that that should be allowed. I think yeah, and, we and then should you, start do, a commission. So just, just if you humor me for a second. So I told you like Carl Malone's fourth, John Stockton's sixth. Uh, a man named Artis Gilmore's 10th. We've got, and then all the way down at 19. And remember, I told you Charles Barkley was 17. At 19 is Kobe Bryant. 
and 20th is Bo Russell. Yeah. I, I mean, I, if I, we, we have to end this. We have to like write a letter to Daryl Morey and get Daryl to stop doing that shit. It makes no sense. Because um, uh, so, I, I, I saw that and I, I, we, we had to talk about it. But yeah, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, so we just got done watching the last two episodes of uh, The Last Dance literally like two minutes ago. And we just uh, yeah. plugged in the mics. Um, you know, my, my instant, like just 20 second thought was, um, I'm really surprisingly sad that it's over. Um, you know, when game of Thrones is going on, there was this narrative out there that, that monoculture was sort of done though. There was nothing, there wasn't going to be anything on television ever again that we were going to kind of enjoy in this collective way at the same time. Um, and this was, you know, this was a bright spot in quarantine one of the few that something like this um you know seemingly everybody i knew and everybody i talked to was uh tuned in yeah i mean no one that was saying that it was the end of monoculture knew that a pandemic was coming and that you know (laughs) we'd all just be left with documentaries from 30 years ago to watch but yeah i mean you know it's it, it was really cool for it to come when it did um and what would have been even more interesting is if you know if the playoffs were going on right now which what they were pl- that's what they were planning on doing they're having it kind of mirror how the playoffs were going um and the last episode was supposed to end apparently i read this somewhere it was supposed to be the night before they were going to try and make it the night before uh the before it came one of the NBA finals this year. Well, Tony, so, hang mean, on. That, that would have been really cool. Tony, stop. Stop. You're going to have to... There, the, this, this thing was scheduled to begin the weekend after the finals ended. Oh, I don't really? know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Oh, okay. Then, I, then whatever article I was reading is full of shit then. Then I apologize, guys. <laughs> I, I wonder... Here's the thing is that we, we share editing duties now, so it'll be interesting to see if this makes the final cut. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. hey, you know, we, we, we live in an age... Well, who knows? Maybe your source is wrong. How about that? <laughs> yeah, my source. Um, you know, you're right, though. I mean... Another just kind of overarching thing that I thought as watching this is that, you know, one of Jordan's gifts was that he had perfect timing throughout his career. Just everything kind of laid into place at the right time, seemingly for him. And then the documentary about his life, about his career is basically no different <laughs> in that it, it comes out at, at sort of the perfect time for everybody to, to consume it at once. And at a moment in time where, the generation that watched him and loved him is like still really interested and inspired by him. And then this next generation, there's 20 somethings like us who never saw him play. Yeah. I mean, I would say that there's one thing that he didn't have perfect timing for, and that's uh, getting a craving for Utah area pizza, but you know, it, it, <laughs> it, otherwise, yes, he had perfect timing. Yeah. So, I mean, those people should be prosecuted, right? <laughs> like, that was my. These guys almost killed Michael Jordan. I mean the amount the amount of people with check marks next to their name on Twitter that were saying that were just calling bullshit. 
And there was even one guy was like, oh, I wonder if there was any Hennessy in the pizza. Like stuff like that. It was just it, it yeah. was hilarious to see the reaction. Because, I mean, obviously people have been stewing on this ever since 1998. So people have opinions on it. But, I mean, you know, it definitely seems to check out that, well, one, that it was really hard to find something open in Utah at 10 o'clock because as you, as you know more than I do, uh, Utah closes, the entire state of Utah closes down at what, 8 o'clock? Yeah, give or take. It's like where I live now in Agoura Hills. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's like that, that checks out. And then to hear that Michael Jordan ate an entire pizza by himself, I mean, the dude is an absolute monster and an absolute beast. I bet one of the uh, Sniff brothers joked that he couldn't eat the full pizza and he took that personally. And so he obviously had to eat the entire pizza and that's, and what ended up with him being sick. Uh, but you know, it, <laughs> what a story. There's five dudes that end up coming to deliver the pizza and they're like trying to look into the room like that. If that's not what happened, whoever wrote that story is, a, they should write a screenplay because that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, my, my instant reaction is, is if it's true, it's, it's obviously crazy. Um, it's, it's still much more fun to say he was just hung over and I yeah. don't think we should, yeah. you know, like, I don't think we should let facts get in the way of an entertaining story. And yeah, no, no, no. So, so what I, what I kind of wanted to start out by saying was, so you said episode eight was your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Episode, episode nine. Episode, the, the combination of seven and eight, because uh, I believe in seven is where he talks about his dad a lot. And then yeah. obviously eight ends um, with that emotional sequence at the end of the 96 finals. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Episode nine for me is by far my favorite. Um, I was locked in the entire time. Usually I'm watching and I'm kind of like checking Twitter and I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm trying to take in the whole moment, not just what's on the screen, but also kind of follow what's, what everyone's saying and that whole thing. You're saying nine was your favorite? Oh yeah. Nine, nine without a doubt is my favorite because of the Steve Kerr storyline that we got because of the Gus storyline that we got. It it was, I was absolutely locked in this entire episode. I didn't know Larry Bird was ever a coach. Like there, there was just so many things in this episode that I learned and it was super interesting to see how it played out. So episode nine by far for me, I mean, episode nine made me cry. So, I mean, it, it, I, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. Okay, I, I don't want to be that guy, but honestly, episode nine was one of my least favorite. I don't know where it, it ranks, but it was pretty close to the bottom for me for just a very simple reason in that I have all this background that the end of this doc, particularly the last two uh, mes- the last two episodes were, were rushed. And so you're obviously kind of looking for stuff like that in the last episodes and I don't know. T- to me, them just skipping over the 97 season, like all together, was weird. And it just kind of didn't flow with the way the rest of the doc was going. It almost, like, if they were going to keep the pace that they were going and keep at a consistent pace, it almost should have been like 11 episodes or something so that they could fit it in. But now 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch because I don't know the specific stuff that I'd take out because I've only seen it once. But I just think it's, I mean, they go into like great detail of basically every single one of his seasons, particularly the championship ones, and then they just gloss over it in in this in episode nine, which which I actually thought was kind of weird and I felt was lacking. Um, you know, the the Gus stuff and the Steve Kerr stuff was cool, like you said. Like I, I enjoyed that. I just I was I was kind of distracted by the just there there that they did on on that entire season. I don't know. It just it bugged it like really bugged me the decision they they chose to make there. So I'm I'm not like shitting on it at all. I I just it it was it certainly wasn't my favorite. I don't know if it's towards the bottom or not. It's just that simple fact was like really I don't know. It, it was hard to stomach for me. I don't know. Yeah, no, and I loved it. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of just any Steve Kerr content I can get. And the fact that he really shined in this one, I just I, I loved it. That I had two sort of favorite quotes uh, in episodes nine and ten. They well, really just nine. I got two of them from nine. The uh, beginning of the '98 finals uh, when they're in Utah, Jordan just goes, "Let's give them something to boo about." That I, I, I love. I love that quote. And then uh, Steve Kerr, when he's being interviewed, he when asked about how how highly recruited he was coming out of high school. They, he responds with ah, about as much as attention as I was getting from girls in high school, which is just, it's, it's fantastic. It's self-deprecating can we talk about that. It's, it's high, high level Steve Kerr. Can we talk about that? Because I, I kind of call bullshit on that. Like, like Steve Kerr <laughs> is one of the most attractive 50 year old men that we have in this country. And you look back and, you know, it, it took him a little while to hit his stride for sure. The buzz cut in 96 is a bad look. Um, or 97, excuse me. This is a good looking dude. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I buy that. Like, was his confidence fucked up? Like, like what was it? I don't know if I, I, don't know if I, I buy the, the girl's analogy. I think that that's something like for his wife now or something. Anyways, so, yeah, going, going back to my... Uh... I'm just going to deflect from that whole thing that you just said. Like I said, I had no idea that Larry Bird was a coach. And so to see him out there coaching that Pacers team and that Pacers team took them seven and just to see that play out. And, um, you know, there was a chance there for Jordan not to go to that last finals, which is wildly interesting. And I didn't think that it was that close. Um, and it but, ends, you know, it, you just, know it, it ends brilliantly with the bitch fuck you as he's walking I out just, and, and both of them are smiling and it's just great. It, it, it was a great moment. Um, and then you get to see one of the little interesting tidbits of information about Michael Jordan, that a uh, red Porsche that I'm sure you were just fawning over. It just uh, yeah. had an, it just had a license plate of air. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, are you seriously telling me that in circa 1990, whenever he bought that car and slapped that plate on there, there isn't a single person in the world that already had the license plate air? Like that he's like the person who was early getting Gmail addresses. And, you know, no, I know, but I'm saying that's only in Chicago. I mean, it makes it 
it makes sure. it even more amazing, though. That's what I'm trying to say. That, that's where I'm, it's yeah, just in Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago. We're not talking about and, like an Indiana plate or something. Like, or I guess we should say Illinois instead of Chicago. But yeah, I mean, that was just great I, to see that. And then I, I'm wondering because that was just air. I'm wondering what if he did air two, air three, air four, or if he got a little more creative. I I, I needed a little bit more out of the out of license plate thing. Yeah, I mean, I th- my reaction to that was like, even if even if somebody else had it, MJ had enough money to take it from whatever guy had it. Like, if you wanted, if you wanted the plate, he he was getting the plate. This this is a guy who was losing millions of dollars gambling, you know, at two a.m. at in Atlantic City and stuff before playoff games and yeah. stuff. Like, <laughs> money is yeah, no yeah. as he said multiple times. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, that, and I'm wondering if getting that license plate thing was part of his competition problem or if that was just kind of by accident. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't hawking his watch or anything, so I think he was good. Um, yeah, his you know, kids the, weren't starving. Right, right. And we finally got to see his kids, which was good. I'm glad they were yeah, right hey, out they, of they, whatever basement they, they were in. I mean, apparently they didn't interview his wife, but they interviewed his kids. Which or is ex-wife. Great. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was good to see them. Some interesting tidbits uh, about Utah that if you follow the NBA, you you kind of know about. Um, they're they're like Boston baseball fans, uh, but you know for basketball. Um, you know, one of the things that that stood out in that Pacers series was just how how hard he could go at at Reggie, and then. Uh, when he would leave the interview, he'd step down. He'd still like dap him up and stuff. I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. You know, episode ten. You know, I, I just have to jump there. I <sighs> well, hold on, hold, hold on one second because I, I've got one more thing about the Pacers. During one of the commercial breaks, I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter, just looking at stuff, and former defensive end uh, Chris Long in the NFL. He tweeted out that Pacers fan lady has spoken to a few managers, and I just figured that you would enjoy that. Yeah, that's that's funny. I mean, the other thing that you know, the Gus stuff was was super interesting. For you know, we've been kind of psychoanalyzing this guy for uh, since we started talking, and you know, he clearly adopts him as a father figure, and you know, the, the Gus stuff was great. That you know, that's the kind of stuff that makes a documentary. Um, with episode 10, you know, going into it, I going, you know, this whole day, I've kind of had that same thought of, you know, this is, we thought Game of Thrones was the last monoculture. And then, you know, we kind of got this. And my other thing was like, look, it's, it's really hard to end something, especially when it's great. And the greater it is, the harder it is to end that thing without, and you know, I kind of came to the realization is like everybody knows how this thing ends the entire time, so they don't really have a lot to live up to. But I thought they did a good ending. I don't know. Like I, I was impressed. Like the ending of these of documentaries and the last five minutes, especially when when you're doing a ten hour doc. But like they've been making this thing for three or four years since they started production. Um, yeah. Just a lot of ways it could go wrong, and and I was I was happy to see that it didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, if we want to talk endings, I thought the ending of episode nine was just 
one of the reasons why I love the episode so much, and I will start talking about episode 10, but I just had a couple more things about nine. The way that they went from the whole Steve Kerr story and how he mentions, you know, there would be moments like during national anthems when I would sit there or stand there and think about my dad and think about how, you know, he loved this and he wouldn't even believe it was happening even if he was in the arena. And then right after they, right after they have Steve Kerr say that, the very next thing is showing the national anthem to the 98 finals. I thought it was one of, it, it was a microcosm of how perfectly edited that I thought this documentary was done just because I, there were little touches like that, that I just thought showed Jason Hare had such a depth touch at knowing when to do those emotional moments, like with the Gus game ball, little like 15 second thing where, you know, Gus is sitting there on a little stool and he says, yeah, Mike got the uh, game ball for me. So, you know, that's all right. That's all right. And it was, it, it was such a cool moment. And then it just, it's in now. And I, I, I just thought it was great. You know, if he doesn't, if he could have had, if they could have saved somehow the ending of eight where he's like, or ending of seven, I can't remember where he's like, okay, break. I think it's the end of seven. Yeah, that, that was seven. You know, yeah. That's, that's the best ending that I think we could have had. Like, the whole Jordan looking out over the ocean in his mansion thing. Yeah. That left me like, wanting something. That left me wanting something like, are, are, eh, are you sure that's how you want to end this? And here's are the you thing. sure? Here's the thing. Like them showing him what Reinsdorf said and him being like, I've never heard the reasoning. That fell really flat. <laughs> from, like, all of Jordan's reactions to this point have been like absolutely hilarious. Like, and the very last time he hands him the iPad, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, my, I was just built up so much to that moment. Like, Oh, he's getting handed the iPad. Something funny is about to happen. And, you know, I don't know this. Everybody remembers the past the way that they want it to. And I, him doing the whole we could have won seven, I would have come back if if they would have signed one year deals. Oh, but then they would have had to convince Scotty, which there was no convincing Scotty, as we saw, and Phil was already out the door. So I don't know, like doing the revisionist history at the end, while I while I think they did a good job with ending the doc overall with the uh you know, with Phil's whole fire ritual thing. I just wish we somehow could have ended with the okay break and you know, one of the things, one of the best quotes that that came out of this that I, I have written down is don't trash talk black Jesus. I mean, just like, <laughs> again, like I, I'm so sad this guy doesn't talk more. <laughs> that This guy is, yeah. isn't willing to talk more, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, so you're saying that you would have wanted the, all right, break to be the end. What I think would have been, Probably the coolest way to end this, and again, you know, far be it for me to tell Jason Hare how to do his doc, but no, let's. Do I, it. I, I, I think it would have been really cool. You know, the little from when they get into the bus after the '98 championship, they get into the bus, and he just he just lets that film just run for about yeah, probably six minutes. If you let that footage run, and then the last thing you see is him sitting there on the piano. And just bullshitting with some of the other people in the room and then just fade to black 
and it's over. I think that yeah. would have been a very nice touch because one of the things that I kept feeling before tonight was, you know, they really did hype up this behind the scenes footage. Um, I mean, hey, this documentary has been great. It's been very well put together and it's been an absolute joy for all of us to watch. But as we've previously discussed, there's not really a portion that makes me hate MJ. There really isn't. And I wouldn't even say that the best parts of the doc up until 9 and 10 had been the behind the scenes footage. It had just been the whole chronological story and kind of putting it all into one document. But that little six minute stretch after that championship, I absolutely loved. And that perfectly illustrated a bunch of different things, including how he was just mobbed literally everywhere he went and he couldn't even get to his own room without being wrong. Yeah, I don't like using the word chronological in relation to the stock at all. There was there was nothing chronological about any part of these ten episodes. And I mean it's, does, it's honestly, does, does Jason Hare does Jason Hare have to like take a picture of the calendar to show you which which year or date he's talking about? I mean I, uh, I thought he, he did a really good job with that. He actually did. He literally took a picture and then we videotaped back to 84, back to 88, back to 86, back to 88. Um, frankly, it was yeah, disorientating. And, and all of the, there was, I got to say, like, now that I'm, I'm just thinking off the cuff here, there was way too much background on the other guys. Like, to lose out on, like, MJ interviews of an entire season to get like 30, 40 minutes on fucking Scotty Pippen. And I don't know, like, it's just, it seems like a separate documentary to me. And I I know that you got to make some concessions to get these guys to do it, I guess, but they did so much background on, on so many different guys that just didn't fucking matter. And yeah, I, I I don't know. I I really liked, I I really liked a lot of choices. Yeah. But background on guys that don't matter. Like I'm saying like, like that's okay, but the MJ interviews were pure gold, and you should just get as many of those as you possibly could in there, and just more MJ content. Like it, it just strikes me as so weird that they spent all this time on on not 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 the last two episodes, but leading up, they just spent all this time on on people that were just not as interested in. Like they didn't even spend as much time on Phil Jackson as I would think is appropriate. Like they spent all this time on Scott Burrell and uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I mean, like you said, I mean, the, the footage the, that but... go ahead. Go ahead. I, I mean, all the Scott Burrell stuff though was they pretty, they didn't even interview the guy. Did they? I mean, they only should, that was just the behind the scenes footage. I would absolutely uh, come back on your comment about that. I mean, I, I don't think they should too much Scott Burrell at all, but I mean, if the whole thing's called The Last Dance, you have to tell the stories of the different people that impacted that year. They didn't like do a deep dive into John Paxson. They didn't do a deep dive into all the guys that were there at the beginning. They did backstory with Steve Kerr. They did backstory with Rodman, Pippen, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause, Ryan Storff, Jordan. Like they did, they did backstories with all the guys that were there for the last dance, which I thought was very well yeah, done. Not just backstories. They gave them full episodes. 
Like they they did it. They could have done a backstory. I agree. You have to have some context, otherwise it doesn't make sense. But they they gave like an hour of content to each of those guys. Just they just gave it away. And I, I'm saying that that choice I highly highly disagree with. You can just because you 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 want to do background doesn't mean that you you spend an inordinate amount of time on it. Like like that matters too. You know, like I'm not mad at the choice. I'm, I'm mad at the length of time that they gave to it. Yeah, I, and and you know my I I disagree just because one of my favorite moments of the entire documentary had to do didn't have to do with MJ at all. It it was the entire Steve Kerr thing. I thought was great. If I, I agree with you that if it would have gone longer, because it was only like a ten minute thing, if it had it gone longer, then it would have seemed a little weird. But yeah. That's what I, I'm I saying. Thought, I thought it was perfect. But I mean, obviously you're going to give more time to Scotty Pippen than you're going to give to Steve Kerr. Obviously Why? you're going to give more t- Why? You're going to give you're going to you're going to give him a whole episode. On Why? I mean, they didn't give him a whole It's an MJ episode, doc. Too. Come on. It's not a Scotty well, Pippen no. doc. It's an MJ doc. Well, well, it's a documentary titled The Last Dance, so it's about that last season. I I, I mean, you know, just just saying that. But did this strike? See, here's the thing. Here's where we're different. I think it comes off as a Bulls documentary. That's my thing, is that this comes off the way that Jerry Krause would have liked it. It came off as an organizational documentary instead of about MJ. And well, I mean, I I mean, I I don't think Jerry Krause would have appreciated just getting shit on for the entire for, for all of the first four episodes. But I mean, you know, it's it was what seventy five to eighty percent Michael Jordan. I mean, you know, it's they're not just going to train a camera on him and just let the thing roll. That's a podcast. That's what we're doing right now. If you're going to do a documentary like this, you gotta you gotta at least give something to all the key players that were in that run. I mean, Scottie Pippen has six rings. Scottie Pippen was the second best player on that team. And guys like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were saying Scottie Pippen was the second best player on the Dream Team. Here's, I mean, God, okay, God forbid you spend 20 minutes on Scottie Pippen. They spent like two seconds on Scottie Pippen refusing to go back in the game, and they spent a fucking 15 on his childhood. Like, I'm sorry, that's that's just bad time management. Like I and, and I disagree I was, because that 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 informed the viewer, especially me, because I didn't know anything about it. That informed why he took the contract that he did. I mean, I thought that that was directly explaining why he decided to take just as much as much lump lump sum money as he could have whenever he was given the first opportunity. They should have cut twenty minutes out of that and given us a ninety-seven season in the dock. I'm sorry. Like having an hour long, like just go back to that moment. Like you're only like right now I'm even only remembering pieces of it, but in the moment when I was watching the episode that was like all Pippin, it just dragged. It was fucking awful. And then when we got to the really controversial stuff, it's like they wouldn't touch it. They, they, they really weren't willing to touch it. They weren't willing to get anybody aggravated to really talk about it. The only time that he's criticized is when MJ goes at him in, in the the first episode when he's like Scotty was being selfish. So Man, I don't know. You're, feist, you're, you're being feisty today. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Like I, I just wholeheartedly <laughs> disagree with how you viewed Man. this. Like I found it 
I found it wildly entertaining, but it was disjointed as hell. And then I don't even remember the word you used, but you implied that it had a linear timeline and it just made me go berserk. I was like, what the fuck was no, like, chronological? No, I, I, what the fuck was chronological about any of that? <laughs> it I mean, okay, maybe it's because I have a more advanced awareness of what I'm seeing on screen because I've seen Christopher Nolan movies more than you have. So I kind of I, I can pick you're up saying you're fake smart? to figure you're out what I'm doing. You're the, and and you're and saying you're fake then, smart? J- and then Jason Hare takes the opportunity to not even make you guess at what year you're in. Every single time he switches, he holds your hand, meaning you. I don't mean the collective you. I mean, literally, he takes Tim LaDuke's hand and says, here, we're back in 1994. I Just, just we're 1994. Do you, do you, I'm going to give you a couple lines of text to kind of give you some context to show you where we are. Okay, here's the footage. All right, now we're going back to 98. Are you okay? Or, oh, we'll take a commercial break for you to gather your thoughts. All right, we're back. Or, I, You know, I, I, I thought it was very well done. I thought it was very well done. Here's the definition of chronological, according to the dictionary, just for you dipshits who think Christopher Nolan makes smart movies. So, so you're doing the, of a record the of events. Of the speech. You're doing at the beginning Starting of speech. Starting with oh, the very, earliest. What? And following the order in which they occurred. For all you dumbasses who think Christopher Nolan makes smart movies, that is the definition of chronological, and it was used incorrectly. Okay, please continue the podcast. Yeah, Webster's Dictionary states is how everyone starts every single successful speech. So well done, Tim. Uh, We're 33 minutes into my speech. This is the very middle of my speech. And we're in the middle of a war right now, and I just killed you. Is that what happened? Yeah, that was annihilation. Well, okay. Well, that's actually the perfect segue. You want to talk about annihilation? Let's talk about game two of the uh, of the NBA of the '98 NBA Finals, ninety-six to fifty-four. They scored fifty-four points. The Jazz did. How embarrassing is that? Like I, the, like they're they're making jokes about Bill Wennington being the last person that hasn't scored yet, and then he scores. Like how disrespectful in the NBA Finals is it that they couldn't even get to what some teams get halfway through the second quarter nowadays? I I think you said it. Uh, you know they scored fifty four points. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm not very loquacious on, on this point like it was it, it was just absolutely terrible um you know another thing that that kind of <laughs> did you see that TikTok where the guys like trying to skip through the Aldridge stuff by pressing X on the controller oh Which, by the way oh, I, I think you like I, I think David you actually Aldridge, sent that to me it's fantastic David Aldridge at one point is like I would have bet my life that the Jazz were going to win this game. And I'm just thinking, God, keep this guy away from me if I'm ever in a casino. Like oh, if I see anybody okay. that hey. looks like David Aldridge, I'm just running away. Like what a horrible, hey, horrible thing to say. Tim, Tim, I have something that I don't like about the documentary. So you're going to get excited about this. Every single David Aldridge moment. Just take it out. Take it out. Give me more Jalen Rose or hell to make you feel better. How about we Here, give I'm us some MJ? I'm going to summarize David Aldridge's whole thing. 
That was it. Okay. That, was, that was everything he had to say. You, you know, I have in-ear microphones, right? Or headphones. That's on right? you. That, that, that was awful. That's but, on you. I mean, no, I'm, David Aldridge didn't give us much. Uh, I I definitely didn't think that Wilbon was going to give us as much as he did. I, I thought he was going to do the old man on the porch, just screaming at the sky. But he actually gave us analysis and actually kind of helped to set the stage and bring us back to 90s Chicago. I thought he was actually uh, very informative and added a lot to the doc. Yeah, and our local Chicago resident um, also provided a lot of value, especially at the end, which was good okay, to see. Him. I mean, to be fair to the documentary, they did that for the first episode that they showed Obama in, and then the rest of the way they put President Barack Obama. And that Jason Heron in an interview said that the reason why the first time they showed that was in case there was someone out there that didn't know that he's from Chicago. He Jason here wanted to make sure that people knew that's why Barack Obama's on the screen. It's not because he's just a cool guy and a great speaker. It's because he's from Chicago and he was part of that. That's also why they put former Arkansas resident for Bill Clinton. So to be fair, that's why it was done. And then after that, it just said President Barack Obama. Yeah. Well, I mean, also to be fair, it's not like he was using up the entire screen with that one line of description. Like I, I saw that explanation too. And I thought it was funny because I'm like, dude, just say you fucked up. Like pres, former president of the United States parentheses, former Chicago resident. Like I just, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was kind of absurd. Not nothing to get like upset about or anything like that. It was just like, dude, you fucked Are up. you sure? You fucked do, up. Do you want to think, do you want to think about it for a second and get mad at Jason here again? Or, or are you good? Look, I I don't know why you're so scared to criticize this guy. I think he made mistakes that some of them are kind of understandable, given that he was expecting to have three months longer to do this thing than he ended up having. Yeah. Well, and so I don't know if you read the uh, interview that I'm that I'm referencing, but apparently he started out wanting to do four episodes, which, if you remember, that's how long the Defiant Ones was, and he even said. The Defiant Ones is the perfect documentary. I want to do it as close to that as possible. And he's like, I don't even care if people call it derivative or whatever. If it's derivative of perfection, that's great. And so initially they wanted to do it four. And then the ESPN people came back and said, ah, let's do six. And then as he kept going through it and editing it, he found that he had 10. And he, in fact, even says during the interview that he thinks that they could have done 20 episodes so like it, it it just ended up that there was so much there and that you know the, the choices that he did make were hard and obviously as everyone knows they rushed the uh the doc because of the pandemic and everything that's going on i guess he had he hadn't even locked episodes nine and ten until like three days ago so like it, it's that's tough that's really really tough yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the last thing that I had on this was that we're kind of running out of... We're, we don't really have a lot of docs that I think will bring people together like this. Um, certainly not like this, probably ever again, um, assuming there's not 
this pandemic doesn't get a million times worse based on what we're doing right now. Um, but you know, there's just not as many figures that are nearly as interesting as MJ. I mean, yeah, yeah, with, that's that. That's what I was gonna say. And it's with a LeBron's pretty easy narcissism. Yeah, but like D Wade's probably gonna have like six docs based on the way that he retired, and you know LeBron Absolutely. will probably do a couple of himself. You know, get, I mean the the, the D Wade doc, money. the D Wade doc literally should be like sixty episodes, like six different seasons, and it, it's just him talking. I don't know. Like I, I actually wouldn't put that put that past him. Um, I hope so. I, I, I'll inject it straight into my veins and I will be watching every second of the doc that shows from 2011 until 2013. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope he gets into his dunk contest stuff because he's really been butthurt about that. He has. He's, he he's really, 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 really has. about people making him into a meme because he, <laughs> he's like, I mean... <laughs> He's like, wait, I was still retiring. Like, you guys are supposed to be celebrating me still. His, I don't know. I don't mean to harp on on Wade too much. I have nothing against the guy, I guess. But uh, we've been rambling long enough for one night. You got any closing shots? Well, no. So I do have a closing shot, but I do have just a, I, I actually have three more bullet points from episode 10 that I just wanted to kind of hit and get your reaction on. Excellent. So, I'll go use the restroom. You let me know. <laughs> Well, no. So, I mean, Dennis Rodman skipped practice for a WWE performance. I, yeah, I, abso- but- I absolutely love that. That that was hilarious. And I, I thought we weren't getting any more Carmen Electra, which I mean, we did. We got some more, which was all, which you know, that's always fun. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, as you know, listeners to the fa- listeners to the pod know, I'm a fan of Leo. Him just popping up. That was great. Him just coming to the coming into the locker room, and then Michael Jordan lies to him and said that he just saw man with what did he say? Man with the iron hat or something? Iron mask. Yeah, with the him. iron. He called it the man with the iron face at first, but man uh, with the iron face. Allegedly, allegedly the all for one, one for all. He took from that movie, though. I don't think he was lying oh. that he just saw it. I don't. I think that he was. He just didn't know the fucking name. Well. I, I hope he saw the movie because it's a great movie. And then the last thing that I had was just more and more that we got to see of Michael Jordan in in his element throughout the 90s. He had the worst fashion sense I think I've ever seen in my life. And that horrible fashion sense persists to this day. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like back then, I was looking this up. Back then, that's what was like, that's what was cool. Like we're going to look back 10 years from now, LeBron wearing fucking shorts to four straight finals game and just laugh. Like, I mean, all this stuff, well, I mean, sure, I already but- laugh. At, I already laugh at what Wade and, and Russ Westbrook wear now. Like imagine five, 10 years from now. So I don't, I don't no, really no, have I, a I, problem with that. I wasn't saying that in the time I'm saying the fact that he still wears all that stuff. Cause he was wearing, I, it was either a three or a four button suit to the Kobe Memorial. Like it's, it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm proud of him and I'm happy for him because he likes it. And Hey, you're a billionaire. Mark Zuckerberg wears t-shirts or t-shirts and shorts everywhere. Well, until recently now he's wearing suits, but I mean, it's, 
I love it. It's great. And I hope he keeps doing it. Because if he ever needs to jump out of a plane, all he has to do, I mean, there's enough fabric on that suit to be like one of those flying suits or whatever. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Seinfeld has a good joke about that where he's like, men stop advancing their fashion sense once they have the last great year of their life. And it's usually the year they got married. Oh. And so you can just kind of look around and be like 93, 95, 2006. <laughs> so for Jordan, um, I think you just go back to whatever year he was married. And that's that's kind of when men's fashion sense uh, stops giving a fuck. <laughs> you really think that was the happiest uh, time of his life? It's when he got married? I don't know. I, look, I'm just giving the Seinfeld theory on when guys get married. That's when they stop advancing their fashion sense and stop giving a damn. And uh, I think it's very much true. Fair enough. Um. So did you did you have anything else? No, not a single thing. All right. So I, for those of you that listen and listen to the whole pod, you know that I do a sort of a sort of tongue-in-cheek parting shot and I just kind of make it up on the spot. But this time I actually had an idea that I want to do at the end. So here we go. So now that the last dance is over, the lights are out and whatever gym or whatever area that your school or whatever event that's being held, the lights are off, everyone's gone home. I have just one request for everyone, not only just in the sports world, but in the world in general. We have these sort of discussions, um, as Tim and I did today, we were going back and forth about this documentary, and it becomes at a certain point that there's a fork in the road where you can either go down a toxic direction or you can go into a productive direction. I've seen a lot of discussion around this documentary and I've seen a lot of discussion about many things in our world today. And it's so, so easy to take the toxic route. And, and I'm just as guilty of it as, as most people are. But I implore you, Take this documentary as a stepping stone to something greater. Take this opportunity to talk about this documentary in a positive light. Talk about the greatness that is Michael Jordan. Talk about the greatness that is Phil Jackson. Talk about how Michael Jordan captivated the world from 1984 until 1998. Talk about how Phil Jackson was able to expertly craft a game plan and a chemistry sort of combination on his teams to end up with one of the greatest coaching runs that we've ever seen. Talk about that. Don't talk about the toxicity. Don't make it a discussion about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. Take this as an opportunity to practice a way that we can have discussions much like in politics that are productive, that are helpful that are add that are adding something to the discussion that are adding to the discourse as opposed to further driving us apart this has been the tim and tony podcast thank you so much for everybody listening tim where can they find you on social uh i don't know i'm actually thinking about deleting my social so to be (laughs) to be determined on that you can't find me anywhere right now 
All right, well, they can find me at tfelix3412. Keep sending in trivia, um, trivia suggestions. Hell, even you can even start sending in some parting shot suggestions, and I'll, I'll see what I can do with them. But, yeah, thanks again, guys, for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, and hopefully we can talk Tim into getting back on social because his is much more interesting than mine is. So thanks, guys, for listening, and we will see you next time. JDef, play us out. Rather have no part than anything Rather have no part